bow our heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this awesome day. Thank you for this fantastic opportunity we have to come together and just worship you. We pray that every thought that we have, Lord God, would be one that would please you. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray that you would open up our hearts and mind for what you want to say to us individually and as a church this morning. And we pray it all in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. All right. I get asked very often, okay, very often, is it okay for Christians to disobey the law? What is our responsibility when it comes to obeying the law? What does the Bible say to us about being obedient to the laws that are placed over us? What does it exactly say? Write this down in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Okay, write that verse down and go home and look at it. Okay, Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. It is absolutely clear that Christians are obligated to be law-abiding citizens. Whatever culture they find themselves in, not just in America, we are obligated to be law-abiding citizens. God has instituted human government, okay? God himself has instituted human government. Romans chapter 13, 1 through 7 is clear about that. And it was to maintain order in society. So it doesn't matter if Jeff Greer doesn't like certain laws, I'm still supposed to obey them. If I don't like the speed limit coming down Tylersville, I can't go over the speed limit because I don't like that. Or it says wear your seatbelts, all those kinds of things. There are different laws that are around the country that you may not particularly agree with. But the Bible says that we need to obey the laws that people, the government has put in place. And now for some of us, it just kind of rakes against us. You know what I mean? But there are some clear biblical examples of where the Bible compels us, if you will, Not to obey the laws of men, but to obey the law of God, to obey God's law. So it compels us to sometimes break the law of men in order to obey the law of God. And that's just that's laid out in Scripture. Now, the Bible also doesn't say that we are not allowed to protest when there are laws written that harm other people. If we feel there is a law in place that is harming someone else, we are obligated, okay, to do everything in our power, biblically, to try to change that law, to have that law changed. There's laws all the time that are changed because people stand up and say, no, we totally disagree. If you go in the past, the last 50 years or 60 years, there have been laws that we would all disagree with that are no longer on the books because people stood up and said, this is unacceptable. We don't like this law. It is unjust and it hurts other people. See, the key to all of this, though, when it comes from the Bible's perspective, the key to how to respond to people in authority has to do with our attitude. It's the attitude of our hearts and then how we live that out in our lives, how you and I express that in our lives. The recent riots in Berkeley and around the cities around the United States uh, is not what the Bible had in mind when when I what I just discussed with you. It's not what the Bible had in mind. Beating other people unconscious, spraying people with pepper spray, um, setting someone's hair on fire, being verbally abusive, destroying another person's property because you don't like what they say is not biblical. So behaving in such a way that harms other people who say things that you don't like, okay, that is not biblical. We spoke, we're supposed to handle ourselves in a biblical way. When Daniel and, he's, and his three friends 
okay, faced difficulties when the king was asking them to do something that they couldn't do because it went against the, the word of God. They handled it in a way that was, that was, well, was humble and respectful to those in authority. They humbled themselves and they were respectful to those in authority. Because here's the deal. It is completely unavoidable for believers living in a non-Christian world to not come into conflict with the law of man and the law of God. It's just not possible. Sooner or later, we're going to run into a conflict where they make laws that we completely disagree with. But then how do we handle those things? Daniel chapter 3 is a, a perfect example of this dilemma. Perfect example. In Daniel chapter 3, it's a good case study of how we're supposed to handle ourselves when we find ourselves in those places and those positions. Because like I said, we are going to find ourselves. We find ourselves now, in many cases, in that position. So let me kind of give you a broad 30,000 foot view of this story. Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, builds this giant statue, this giant gold statue, massive statue. He calls all the leaders together, okay, in his empire, calls them all together from all the provinces, pulls them all together and tells them, I'm commanding you that you all need to bow down to this statue, all of you. So the Bible says when the instrument starts to play, all the instruments start to play, everybody in unison has to bow down to this giant golden statue. So the music starts to play. They're standing before the idol. Everyone is bowing down except for three Jewish teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They are not bowing down. When the, when the king heard about their disobedience, he was enraged. He was, he was furious, but he gives them a second chance because he kind of liked these guys. So he gives them a second chance. In their second chance, they basically say, we're not going to bow down. They refuse to bow down to this giant statue. And he becomes enraged once again. And he throws them into the fiery furnace. God miraculously protects them from the flames. Miraculously protects them. Nebuchadnezzar sees this and he's like, holy mackerel. He's awed by this. He, he basically calls them out of the furnace. He, he, he commends them for standing up for their faith. And then he promotes them. He gives them a promotion in Babylon. This is an amazing story that really, really helps us. It helps us when it comes to the question about how we obey the authority that's placed above us. So it's a wonderful story of helping us answer those questions when you say, are we supposed to always obey the government? Are we supposed to always obey the law? This story gives a clear understanding and, and how to answer some of those questions. They refused to bow down. That was clear disobedience, right? They were, those three young men refused. They refused to bow down, which was clear disobedience. It was basically breaking the law of the land. There's, there's no way around that. So then why do we see them as heroes if Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 7 says that we always have to obey. We should always obey the law that, you know, the law that's above us or the government that God has put in place. Why are they heroes? Well, the why has to do, okay, in chapter 3 with the idea of worship, the idea of worship. This had to do, chapter 3, 11 different times in chapter 3, worship is mentioned. To bow down to an idol, to bow is an act of worship. 
these young men understood what that meant to bow down to an idol. What this brings up the whole idea again of conviction. The idea of conviction. Remember we talked about conviction. They, they would not bow down to this idol because of their conviction. They were willing to break the law. They were willing to break the law that was put in place. They were willing to risk their lives because of their convictions. Their strong faith would not allow them to bow down. It was as simple as that. Their faith in God, what they knew about God, what God called and commanded them to do, would not allow them. It was, this wasn't a gray area in their lives. They didn't, there was no misunderstanding. Their faith would not allow Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to bow down. The statue of gold, okay, now kind of we can move forward. The statue of gold is kind of related to Nebuchadnezzar because you remember from last week when Kevin talked about this, Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold on the, in the dream. He had a dream and Daniel interpreted his dream and it was a prophecy and Nebuchadnezzar was the head of gold. So, so now I'm gonna, now there's just a little bit of speculation, okay? A little bit of, little bit of speculation. The king may have been trying to alter the prophecy. Now, Daniel gives the prophecy. Nebuchadnezzar understands the prophecy. And he may have been trying to alter the prophecy by unifying the empire. Okay? Because he knows the first empire and the second empire and the third empire. And Nebuchadnezzar may have been thinking, how do I alter this? Maybe I can unify my empire. The goal was to forestall the inevitable defeat. His inevitable defeat. His kingdom's inevitable defeat by bringing, by unifying or bringing all the leaders together in this one incredible grand religious gesture. I'm going to bring everyone from all over the empire together. We're all going to stand before this giant golden statue and see that'll unify us all. We'll all get all worked up and emotional and we'll, we'll, the music, we'll bow down to this one giant. This could bring us all together and it may forestall what is to come. He might have been thinking that. So every leader in the empire, okay, is called on to be there at that time. Every single one. And be present that particular day. We are talking about, think about this, we're talking about tens of thousands of people. Tens of thousands of people. Okay? I want you to close your eyes. You have to picture this in your mind. Get this picture in your mind. Okay? There are thousands of people, now tens of thousands of people standing in a huge crowd. So they're all standing there. And then the band begins to play. So you got, them, you got the statue, put it in your mind. The statue's in your mind, this huge statue, right? And then tens of thousands of people are crowded around the statue. They're all kind of standing in front and they're all ready. And then the band begins to play and everyone bows down to the statue when the band begins to play because otherwise you get thrown in the fiery furnace. Everyone bows down. Except Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they're all there. Everyone bows down, and the three of them are standing. Okay, open your eyes. Got that picture in your, in your eyes? Got that picture in your mind? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the thousands and tens of thousands of people? Everyone bows, and there are the three of you. There's you and your two friends standing. 
standing because you couldn't bow and you're standing there. I, I, when I was a youth pastor, um, Chris Toller was my junior high youth pastor. And uh, he told me a story one time that he went to a healing service and it was like, you know, someone invited him and there was like 50,000 people in this, this giant stadium. And the guy who was doing the healing, I won't mention any names or whatever, but he, he was, you know, touching this person, touching that person. He was just touching everybody. Everybody's falling down, right? They're all falling down and everything. And so he, I guess he couldn't get to everybody. So at one point he was just like, he is such an incredible healer. He was going to heal the masses just by, just by throwing out a healing, right? So let's just break you up into sections. You're all in these different sections. So first I come over and, I, and you're all standing up and I throw out a healing and you all fall down. And then I throw out a healing here and you all fall down. And then I come over here and throw out a healing and you all fall down. And Chris was standing kind of right in the middle of this one huge section. Because <laughs> no one really taught Chris what to do. So Chris, so, so he goes, hey, throw it out. He throws out the blessing and, and, and everyone just falls down and Chris is just standing there. He's all by himself, just standing there, looking around. Well, you know, what, and, and he was the only one left standing. Can you imagine, in his situation, he could care less. Okay. No one was throwing him in a fiery furnace because he didn't fall down. But in their situation, tens of thousands of people standing before this huge golden idol, this huge golden statue, and they all fall face down except these three young teenagers, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Listen, they weren't running away. They didn't run away. Okay? They weren't protesting. They weren't making speeches. Right? They weren't being disrespectful. They weren't being violent. They weren't destroying anybody's property. They just wouldn't bow. They would not bow. They knew God's word and they were not going to bow. Question, what would you have done? Relate this to your own life because you, you deal with these things all the time on a different level, but you deal with them. What would you have done? Would you go along to get along? Right? 10,000 people, let's, you know, just go along to get along. I guarantee, well, I know this for a fact, all the rest of the young Jewish, they, they bowed down, right? The, other, the others, the other mass loaded kids that came from that area, they bowed, everybody's bowing down. What would you have done? Would you, would you kind of, well, I would bow my head, but not my heart, right? That's what you say. I would bow my head, I would bow down my head, but I wouldn't bow down my heart, I would kind of hold my ground internally. Externally, I'm down, but internally, I'm standing. What would you do? How, how would you handle that? Here's the thing. No one from your own country, from your original country, is going to know what you're doing because they're not there, right? So no one's around. You're in school, really. Honestly, in some situations, you're in school. No one's really around. Your parents aren't there to see it. You're, a lot of your friends sometimes or your pastor, it doesn't matter. They're not there to see you. So everyone, listen, everyone else is bowing. Everyone else is bowing. Well, why am I going to be the only one not to bow? Everyone else is bowing. Everyone everyone else is, is doing it. Everyone else is drinking like that. Everyone else is talking like that. Everyone else is dressing like that, right? What's the, what's the, what's the big deal? A little compromise, Everybody else is, is doing it. And here, and let's get real here, because we can say, yeah, everybody else is doing it. You're not supposed to do what everybody else is doing, whatever. But here's the deal they had to deal with. If you don't bow, you die. If you don't bow, you die. It's as simple as that. 
Remember we said a few weeks ago there's a difference between convictions and preferences, right? We said there's a difference between a conviction and a preference. A preference can change depending on the circumstances that you find yourself in. A preference may change because of uh, intense peer pressure. Uh, A preference may change because your life is on the line. Your job is on the line. Something's on the line. Your preference will change. In a conviction, convictions will not change because a conviction is built upon the word of God. Very clearly, it says you should not steal. So you're not going to steal from your company. You're not going to do something the word of God clearly tells you not to do. A conviction will not change because it has its foundation on the word of God. I think we need to be honest, honestly, this morning. Every me, you, all of us need to be honest. If you bow to peer pressure now, if you bow to social pressure now with different issues now, if you bow with the masses now, depending on the circumstances, you would have bowed then. You wouldn't be one of the three, right? You would have bowed. Because if you're bowing now, if you bow down to pressure now, and you bow down to the social pressure now, and you're bowing down with the masses now, you can't go and say, well, if I was in that situation, that's totally different. I would not bow down. You would bow. You may feel bad about it. You may feel guilty about it. But in reality, you'd bow. Okay, so let's keep going. Some astrologers saw, I don't know what they were doing, peeking up, must have been obviously looking, but they looked and they saw that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, weren't, they weren't bowing down. So they run back like sissies, right? And they go and tell the king, right? Oh, let's tell on them. They were waiting for it. And so they run back and tell the king that these three guys did not bow down. You specifically told everyone that we should all bow down. These three guys did not bow down. They were accused of three things. Three things. First, they were accused of not bowing down and, and, uh, and worshiping the idol that Nebuchadnezzar set up. Guilty as charged. Second, they were, they were accused of not serving the gods of Babylon. Guilty as charged. Totally guilty as charged. Then they also said that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were disrespecting the king. They went to the king, obviously to get him, his emotions going. Then they said that he would, they were disrespecting the king. Not guilty. Not guilty. They were not being disrespectful. They were not being arrogant and disrespectful. They were saying, we cannot do what you're asking us to do. I'm sorry, government of whatever country that you, we, we happen to live in. If you're asking me to do something that goes against the word of God, I respectfully decline to do that. I respect your position of authority, but I cannot do what you're asking me to do. I'm not being disrespectful because you may ask me to do something that I cannot do according to my convictions. It's not disrespectful to the teacher. It's not disrespectful to the policeman. It's not disrespectful to the president or the king. I'm not being disrespectful. I just cannot do what you're asking me to do. He's not guilty. But it doesn't matter because you know how these people get people stirred up. So the king is extremely unhappy. And he basically calls, he calls these guys together. And he likes them because in the past, you know, Daniel and the whole nine of these guys were the top of their class. So he likes them. And so he wants to give them a second chance. And in giving them a second chance, he sits them down and basically says, let me tell you something. Let me explain clearly to you the consequences of your choice. I like you. 
You didn't bow down. You're young. You're stupid. Let me now explain the consequences of not bowing down. Let me understand. Let me, let me clearly help you understand the consequences of not going along with us in our group in school. You're going to be shunned. We're going to not hang out with you anymore. You're going to pay a heavy, deep price. If you're at work and you're supposed to, let me explain to you. They don't say this this way, but this is exactly what people act out for you. If you don't behave in such a way, you will not advance in our company. Let me explain to you, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the consequences, the clear consequences of your choices. And then he ends his statement in verse 15 with this. He says, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? He's back to the, the, the competition of the gods, right? Whose God is, what God is going to be able to rescue you from my fiery furnace? If I throw you in this furnace, there's no one who's going to help you. He, he is, this guy is driven. If you, read, if you read the whole book, he's driven by his emotions. He's driven by his emotions. It's like, oh, God is so awesome. Oh, now you're not doing what I say. Oh, God is so awesome. He's driven by his emotions, driven by them. But these three young men knew the word of God. God is their king, first and foremost. God is their savior, first and foremost. And they're not unclear. He said, let me be clear about the consequences. But their God has already made it clear what he expects them to do in Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 5. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourselves an image in the in in the in the form of any in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Did he stutter? Did did he not? Did did he not? is, Is anybody here unclear about what we just read? They knew this. They had convictions. Their God was the God of all. And he's, their God told them, you shall not bow down. He's not being confusing here. It's not hard to understand. No one's going, well, I didn't really get that. Okay. So this is what they say to the king. This is their response to the king. He says, here's gonna, what's going to happen to you. They said in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, O Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. We all know the end of the story. So he throws them into the fiery furnace, right? And, and God rescues them out of the fiery furnace. And it's really cool. And amen. Let's bow our heads. That's the end of the story, right? It is. It, yeah, kind of. But if we stop there this morning, we're going to miss out on so much. There's so much depth in what they were able, what they did. We can't miss out on some of the things that we need to learn through all of this. Okay. So, so think about it. These guys have no idea how their story is going to end. It's not like they read ahead, you know, they could get ahead. They're not supernatural in their minds where they, they got a vision of them and it's going to all work out well. They had no idea how the story was going to end. And they stepped out in faith anyway. They stepped out in faith anyway. They didn't know if they were going to get the job. 
They didn't know if their friends were going to do whatever. They didn't know it was all going to work out for them because they'll have the more friends here. and You have a better job there or you're not going to this is not going to happen. or You're going to overcome that disease or it's all. going. To, they didn't know it was going to they didn't know how their story was going to end. And they stepped out in faith anyway, as they stood before the king. They had no idea whether or not they were going to die. Better chance if you're facing a fiery furnace, okay, that you're going to die. So when they stood before the king, they had no idea whether or not they were going to die. This is important. The only power that this world has over you is their ability to take your life. The only power this world has over you is the ability for them to take your life. They were not afraid to die, so King Nebuchadnezzar had no power over them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not afraid to lose their lives, so the king actually had no power over them whatsoever. When you are fearless and faithful... You are not intimidated by those around you, by the culture around you, by the people around you. You really don't care that much what they think. You care about what God thinks. And if they want to align themselves with what God thinks, then you'll go along. But if they don't, what can Bible says, what can man do to me? What can you do to me? Take my life. I'm not afraid to die. So what power do you have over me? The answer is none at all. Listen to me. Their faith was not based on God's physical deliverance. They didn't base their faith and their choices on God's physical deliverance. They didn't make this decision based on what God would do for them. That's important. They didn't exactly know what God would do for them in that situation. They knew that God could save them. They didn't know if God would save them. There's a, there's a huge, huge difference here. They were going to obey God either way. He, they knew he could. They, wouldn't, they weren't positively sure that he would, but they were going to obey God either way. Our relationship with God should not be based on a let's make a deal faith. And don't we do that? Come on. I know so many people, they, they, their, their faith is based on the let's make a deal. God, I'll serve you if, if you come through with this job, if you come through with this award, if you come through with this grade, if you come through, I will serve you if. And when God doesn't, fo- doesn't follow your lead and what you told him to do, all of a sudden our faith comes crashing down. We're all worked up. Why isn't God doing what I'm asking him to do? God doesn't make deals for our obedience. He doesn't make deals with Jeff Greer for his obedience. These young men didn't know the end of their story. They didn't know how it was going to turn out, but they were obedient Anyway, he calls us to be faithful and to trust in him regardless of the outcome, regardless of the outcome of what. Listen, he, God, never promises us that our path is going to be completely straight and wonderful and it's never going to have any bumps in the road. We're not going to face any trouble. It's just going to be smooth sailing. He never promises smooth sailing all along the way. There's never going to be waves. There's never going to be storms. There's never going to be difficulties. He doesn't he doesn't promise that. When we say we're going to follow him, he says, I'll love you forever. He says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He will carry us through. He will carry us all the way through to death. 
but he never promises that he's going to make it just smooth sailing and, you know, an easy ride and the path's going to be no problem. Now, there's something else. I want you to get your pens out. Or there's a pen in front of you. I want you to write this down. This is something that we, that we need to, we need to grab hold of. We need to, it needs to grab our attention what they said. Write this down. But if not, write that down. But if not, I love this. They were confident that God would save them. They were confident. They were very confident. They trusted that God would deliver them. Totally trusted that God would deliver them. But then they said to the king, but even if he does not. See, there, there's, where, there's where the rubber meets the road, okay, with your, with your faith. They were, I'm confident that God can heal me of this. I'm confident that God can give me the the desires of my heart. I'm confident that God's going to, I'm confident. But even now, here's where, here's where it separates the, the one side from the other. Okay. In a sense, but even if he does not, they accepted God's will in advance, not knowing how their story was going to end. We need to grasp that. But if not, God, I'll serve you. I I believe this. But if not, do you still serve him? If he doesn't heal you the way you think you should, do you still serve him? Do you still love him? Do you still follow him? Because that's what they were saying. King, we're not going to do what you're asking us to do. We may lose our lives. We trust that God can deliver us. But if not, but even if he does not, that, my friends, is an eternal perspective, not a temporal perspective. You can take my life. You can take nothing else. I'll spend eternity with him. This, this life is but a blink of an eye, dust in the wind, and I will spend the rest of eternity with him. That is an eternal perspective. These young men realized that there were some things in this life that were worse than dying. There are some things in this life that are worse than dying. One being, a couple being, having no conviction or courage in your life. Not having convictions, not having courage, not having the courage to stand up when you know something is wrong. I love Westerns. Anybody love, are you anybody a Western fan? I love Western movies. Love them, all right? And there's not enough good Westerns out there. They're all either rated R and all a bunch of junk in them or whatever. But there's not a good Westerns. I love Open Range. There's a movie called Open Range, okay? In Open Range, there's this rancher this evil rancher, and he controls the town and he controls the law because he pays the sheriff and he makes his own laws and so he controls everything. And he ends up killing the men, okay, of two free grazers. These guys took their cattle around and they just went around not bothering anybody and their cows would, would graze. And he doesn't like free grazers, so he ends up killing one of their men. And so the two the free grazers go into town to confront him. They go into town to stand for what is right. He killed their person for no reason except he didn't want them there. So they went to the town to take a stand against this evil rancher. And they tried to rally the people of the town to stand up and do what is right as well. Here's a a clip. Ned, Ned. Seemed like a nice young fella. Shame what this town has come to. You could do something about it. What? We're freighters. Ralph here's a shopkeeper. You're men, ain't you? I didn't raise my boys just to see him killed. Well, you may not know this, but there's uh, things that gnaw out a man worse than dying.
There are things that gnaw at a man worse than dying. Absolutely. There are things that gnaw at a person worse than dying. Laying on your deathbed, laying on your deathbed when you were an old woman or an old man and saying, woulda, I woulda, I woulda, I should have. I could if I woulda, if I woulda, shoulda, coulda. Laying on your deathbed, knowing in your heart you didn't stand up for what you knew to be right. Knowing in your heart that you didn't have convictions and you didn't stand for God at school or at work or at home or in the, in the world or against whatever the case may be. Knowing in your heart that you didn't stand. That can gnaw at a person worse than death. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were willing to give their lives for what they knew to be right. And that's why we still talk about them in 2017. I don't even know the names of everybody else, the tens of thousands of people that bow down. But that's why you and I hold them up as heroes, hold them up as examples of how we're supposed to live our lives. Because they were willing to give their lives for what they knew to be right. They were willing to give their lives for their convictions. And the rest of this chapter tells us what happened to them because they, they defied the king's orders. I'm going to read it to you. Daniel chapter 3, verses 19 through 30. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the fiery furnace seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of his strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes and trousers and turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the fire, the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement. And he asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look. I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks, and don't let this go by you, okay? The fourth looks like a son of the gods. I'm going to talk about prophecy there, okay? Um, Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servant of the Most High God. Now he's starting to get it again. (laughs) He's getting it again. Come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the royal advisors crowded around them. They saw, this is so cool, they saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. Okay, and just to add, just I'm a God and you're not, okay, to this. There was no smell of fire on them. They didn't even stink of smoke. You can't sit around a campfire without getting to smell smoke all over you. Got to go in your house and throw them in the washing machine right away because it smells your whole house up, right? Not a smell of fire on them. God saying, bam, and now I'm telling you. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, then Nebuchadnezzar, you got to love Nebuchadnezzar because he's like, his emotions. Praise be to God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defended and defended and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except for their god, their own god. Okay, he should have stopped right there. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses were turned into piles of rubble for no other God can save in this way. 
Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Emotional. Kill him, kill him, throw him in the fire. You've defied me. And then they walk out. It's like, kill everyone who says that they're against it. It's like, calm down, Nebuchadnezzar. You'll get it right at some point. Okay. In general, in general, Christians should be, obey the laws of, that are placed above them. They should be subject to the laws that are placed above them. Okay. To, submissive to the authority that God has placed above them. Nothing, nothing in Daniel chapter 3 challenges that truth. Nothing we just talked about or read challenges Romans chapter 13 verses 1 through 7. We are to submit to the laws and authorities with respect that God has placed over us. Nothing in Daniel chapter 3 challenges that truth. Even though these three, these three young men disobeyed, they did it in such a way they showed respect to the king. Understand that. At no time did they sin in how they responded to the king. They stood their ground. They stood their convictions. Again, they basically said, we're not disrespecting your authority, king. We just cannot do what you're asking us to do. We can't, we're not even going to defend ourselves in this matter. It is written. We cannot bow down to other idols. We are not going to do it. We respect your authority. We just can't do what you're asking us to do. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 3 reminds us, this is good. I urge then, first of all, this is for us, that petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving be made to all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior. There will be times in your life where you're going to come up against the decision where you either have to obey the laws of man or you have to obey the laws of God. There are times in in your life where you're going to have to, all of you, all of us are going to have to stand up for what we believe, whether it's the king or the president or the Congress or judges or your coach or your teacher or any authority that God has placed over us. There are going to be times where those people not walking with God are going to make laws that go against what God says. They're going to make that decision on their own and make laws that go against what God says. And you are going to have to stand with respect for what you believe. In the book of Acts, Peter Okay, is told by those in authority to stop preaching the gospel. He's with the, he's with the others. He's with his team, and they're in there and they're preaching the gospel. And there, people are getting saved, and they don't like this at all. So they tell Peter, "You have to stop preaching." Well, Peter doesn't stop preaching, nor does anyone else. And so those in authority have them arrested. So they're arrested. Then those in authority come to Peter and they say, "Listen." Did you not understand what we were saying? We said to stop doing what you're doing. Stop telling the truth. Stop preaching the gospel. And Peter's response in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29 is basically this. We must obey God rather than man. Why are you doing this? We told you to stop. And Peter said, all due respect, we have to obey God rather than man. We need to stand for truth. We need to stand for truth and keep this in mind. All of us need to keep this in mind. 
Sometimes God is going to save us from the fire. And sometimes God is going to save us through the fire. It's not going to be easy. Sometimes he'll save you from the fire. You won't have to face the consequences. Sometimes he'll save you through the fire. Regardless, okay, of how our story ends, regardless of how my story ends, I decide now, I bow my knee to one God. I bow my head to one God. I do not bow to any other gods or any other authority that comes in conflict with my responsibility before God. But I can do that. I can do that with respect, with humility to those that God has placed above me. Bow your heads with me. Father God, in situations like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are facing, it's really difficult for us. It's really, really hard for us, Lord, to make those decisions because our souls are breaking in some ways. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to handle it. But Father, help us to have an eternal perspective. When we have to stand up in school, when we have to stand up at work, when we have to stand up at home, when we need to stand up against a society or a government, we have to stand up against whatever authority is placed above us, and we have to stand up for you in those situations, Lord. Be with us, we pray. Touch our hearts in a profound way. Let us, be, let, us, let us have the courage to say, regardless of the circumstances I face, regardless of what the outcome may be, it is well with my soul. Amen.